Trady Nut, episode 67. You know, like in roulette, the probability stays the same. But in trading, there's no probability. None. Zero. All you have is historical data, the statistics. The market's going to do something. Your job is not to fight it. The market never, ever runs away. It's always there. That personal diary of trading will make you a much better trader than... I could be right about the direction, but wrong about the trade. Don't focus on the monetary side. Trying to make too much money on a trade is what I have seen killed every trader. Your losses offer you some of the greatest insight you can find into your mistakes. Relax. Learn the process. Candlestick pattern trading is a freaking trap. Don't be in a rush to become a millionaire. Let the market tell you what the market wants to tell you. This podcast is not financial, trading, or investing advice of any kind. What's up, traders? Welcome to another installment of the Trading Up Podcast. Hope you're enjoying these shows. Uh, well, look, we've got the rumpled one on the show. So if you haven't heard of this guy, he is uh, his real name's Avery Horton. And we've got him on the show. He's he's a character, absolute character. Uh, he's been banned from pretty much every forum going, <laughs> every trading forum going. He's got a unique style. Uh, it works. He walks through us, uh, some of that style in the show and then on video later on. So if you do get a chance, head over to tradingnut.com and check out the video we shot after the show where you really get a decent insight into how he actually approaches the market. Uh, yeah, look, it's it's different. It's something I've never heard before and a style or a method I've never really heard of before or never even seen it before in, in this uh, sort of detail. So guys, you're gonna look. You're gonna get a lot of insight in this. You're gonna get your mind open up, opened up to, uh, I suppose, a different way of looking at things. Um, it's a great episode. I'm sure you'll like it. Uh, before we get into that, I just want to give you a quick update on the robot that I was mentioning in the last few episodes. It was going great guns. It was up to 500% on the test account. Uh, it was a live account, but it was just a small amount of capital in there. And up to 500% in three months. And I thought, here we go. We've got this thing in the in the bag now. But it was, it is, let's say, it is a high-risk strategy. And we've we tried to, and when I say we, I'm talking about me and the, the members of the uh, the Robot Traders Club who are sort of suggesting ideas on how to improve it, and, and, and that's what we do over there. Um, we... We looked to improve it, sort of, you know, as as it was hitting targets, we'd look to improve it, see if we could improve it, and then move forward. Unfortunately, the latest round of improvements did put us in a bit of a pickle, and uh, and it did drain a lot of that profit. So it was back down to about 115% profit on the initial uh, test account deposit. But look, it's still pretty good over three months. It is still the best performing bot that I've had in the club. So... Guys, if you do want to check it out and do want to come on board, we do have new bots hitting the, the members area every single month, and you can suggest strategies. They get built, they get automated and, and put in there as well. So, folks, um, right, that's enough about Robot Traders Club. Uh, remember, check out the video after the show. We've got the show coming up now with the Rumpled One. You're going to find out why he's called the Rumpled One as well at the very end. Okay, keep listening. All right, see you there. Bye. All right, guys, so we've got the rumpled one on the show here. Uh, well, it's Avery Horton, otherwise known as the rumpled one or TRO. So, guys, I don't know if you've heard of this guy around the traps. It was You were actually recommended by one of my listeners. Like you said, you've got to get this guy on. It's going to be a, a cracking interview. So welcome to the show, Avery. How are things? Oh, so far, so good. Thanks for having me, Cam. 
So Avery is from uh, just outside uh, Portland in Oregon, over there in the States. And I suppose you're one of the more unique kind of guests because you haven't got an affiliation to any sort of business or, or company or you know outfit that you're you're trading on behalf of or that you're um i suppose running yourself so you're just an independent trader so it's always good to get insights from from guys that aren't connected to another entity so to start off with we're going to get into the story about how you sort of got into this gig and and uh, how it all started and go from there well um while I was still in college, I was working for Control Data Corporation, my degrees in computer science, and they had an employee stock ownership program. Every month, I'd take the maximum amount and buy stock in the company. And then um, from there, I went to a company called uh, Guest Quarters Hotels, and this was right down on uh, M Street in Washington, if I remember correctly. And there was a broker on the first floor, and I think our offices were on the third floor, second floor. So every day I'd walk by this brokerage. So then I'd start poking my head in there. And this is back in the uh, early, it's like 1980, 81, long before the internet, and used to sit down with the value line charts. And so I had this one broker, and she would go over the value line charts with me, and we'd get the ruler out and draw you know, support, resistance, and trend line. So that's how I got my start. Okay, so you just sort of popped your head into the brokerage firm and, you know, made friends with people and away you went. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those things. I knew back then I didn't want to have to work, you know, my life away 40 years and getting a gold watch. So I was always looking for a way to uh, escape. And so this this, uh, this this sort of relationship with the brokerage firm, I mean, how did that pan out? That's got you started. What happened after that? Oh, well, let's see. Uh, then I met some other people. Then I, was, I wound up, I think at one time I had six brokers because I was looking for those IPOs. And back then it was really hard to get shares. So I would call around. I might get 25 shares at one place and 50 at another. And I did that for a while. But um, that's when I kind of learned my lesson. Um, you really have to figure things out for yourself rather than, than follow the crowd because usually they'll lead you astray. And so, so you, you were going around, you're, you're obviously in the, uh, the, the you know, share market, stock market at that time. I mean, how did you make that transition from, from there? I suppose that's IPO, you know, gathering shares is a bit different from trading. I mean, how did you sort of move on to to the trading space well yeah i guess we'd have to fast forward to um the early 2000s when they started i started hearing about day trading and so a friend of mine said yeah he used to day trade cisco and you know make a bunch of money every day so i i jumped in to uh the day trading when I got introduced to indicators, which um, I've pretty much turned away from. But that being said, not all indicators are created equally because I've written probably close to a thousand, if not more, indicators for uh, various platforms, TradeStation, eSignal, and now MT4. Okay, so so you you got into the day trading side of it. I mean, how did that play out for you when you first started doing it? 
Oh, it was kind of stop and go. I mean, I know one of the questions you like to ask is, how long did it take you? It probably took me about four years. Um, if you go over to stockfetcher.com, you'll still see some of my work on the uh, Never Lose Again thread. And, you know, that's part of what I used to call milking the cows. Um, because after I, you know, I tried to go through all these different indicators. I mean, I guess I just have to admit I was a sucker, you know, trying to find these magic numbers for MACD or RSI. And I look back now, I just have to laugh at myself because it's ridiculous. Um, but that's when I came up with the buy zone and I kind of call it my aw shucks country boy method, because if you listen to, um, what I call traditional trading, um, teaching they'll tell you oh you don't want to be in at the open well i my whole life i've pretty much been a contrarian so i thought about it well why shouldn't i be in at the open and i said you know oh shucks you know um it starts out at the open and then sometime during the day it makes a high price which is usually higher than the open and a low price which is usually lower than the open so I reckon if I buy somewhere near the open at near the open price, I can make money. And that's when the uh, buy zone was born. And what I did was I ran frequency distributions and I found stocks that if they went between 10 and 20 cents over the open, they went 50 cents or more past the open. And so from there, it was pretty easy to just sit back, wait, let the stock get into the buy zone, you know, enter the trade and then, you know, punch out for a dime or more. Because when you're slinging a thousand shares, that's a hundred bucks every dime. So that was pretty easy. Then I actually wrote I, what people now call robots on TradeStation. I wrote what I called Auto Avery, which would actually do the buy zone for me. And then I wrote the Auto Avery Portfolio Manager, which was kind of like an overall um, circuit breaker. It's like, if it gets too hot or too cold, it just would, you know, close out all the trades. So was it at that point in time when you, you discovered the buy zone that you started making some money out of this? Or did you manage to do it a bit earlier? Yeah. yeah. No, that's when I really started, you know, to make real money. And, you know, every time I listened to somebody else or, you know, kind of took my eye off the ball, that's when I lost money. And it's, it, it's, it's a hard lesson to learn, you know, the shiny object syndrome or the FOMO fear of missing out, you know, it catches us all from time to time and you just have to be on guard for it. Yeah. Yeah. You do. I, eh? yep. <laughs> definitely. So, so thinking about that, um, that buy zone method, I mean, it was, does it still work? Is that sort of something that you're still yeah. using or? It still works. I mean, it's, it's proven. In fact, I, um, I worked with a professor over in Europe, a friend of mine, Airball, told me about this uh, theorem. And basically, in a nutshell, you can't fit a 12-inch ruler in a 6-inch box. It's going to stick out one side, the other side, or both. And so in price, you know, price only goes up or goes down. You know, if I hear somebody says price is moving sideways, it's just like, I'm done. Because that's just nonsense. Definition, move is change. If it's sitting at the same price, it's not moving sideways. It might be range bound, but it's still moving within the range. So that being said, you know, if price ranges, say, back in the day, 
um, on the euro was like 100 pips a day. Well, if the buy zone set up in plus or minus 10 pips, that's only 20 pips. You can't fit 100 into 20. It's It's got to break out one side or the other. And, and that's the basis of it. And it's really funny because I was listening to your end of the year um, um, video there, your, your 2019 wrap up. And you had, I think you mentioned something about taking another course. And it was like, I guess, a lot of money. And I just started laughing because, you know, I've been to one of those courses, uh, the wise trade. And I got my money back because they said, if you weren't satisfied, you get your money back. But, you know, they give you this big, thick, two, three-inch binder filled with stuff. After you've been in there all day, your head swimming, you can't, you don't figure out, you can't figure it out. It's just, oh. And so you're thinking, oh, man, this must be the answer because these guys are really smart and I can't figure it out. Well, it's all a bunch of garbage as far as I'm concerned. Cause, but, you know, I don't do seminars because you come in the room, I draw a couple lines on the chart, I, I give you maybe a two-page handout, and say, there it is, guys, have at it. And you'd all say, you're trying to rip us off. We want our money back. But it works. But that's just human nature. And and were you working at the time that you were, you, you know, might turn the corner? Was I working? Yeah, did you have a day job? No. No, I did not. No, I had already uh, been done with the uh, corporation because this was back in the uh, – mid eighties when big companies were gobbling up little companies and I had made vice president at the uh, company before I was 30. And when the new company came in, um, since I was an officer, (laughs) officers, you know, usually get handed, you know, a little pink slip and you can head out the door because they want to put their people in. Yeah. So you got, you got a bit of a payout. So you had time to, to obviously focus on this and, uh, and, well, actually, no, it was no. years later till I got really got back into trading. I was doing other things. Um, in fact, there's a book that I read called The New Money Dynamics for the 1980s by Vanita Van Caspel. And that taught me so much about money and what it really is, which is, one, it's a store of value, um, and two, it's a means of exchange. And most people don't understand that. So, you know, that set me on a path. Um as well and and so so you transitioned from stocks to to other markets i mean you talked about mt4 so you're, you're trading currencies now are you trading anything else now uh no just currencies what happened was a uh, friend of mine bob who when I, I was in tucson at the time and he lived up in scottsdale so he was saying man your stuff you'd be really killing in the forex market you know that's the biggest market in the world and so I went up to his place. We had to do a couple tweaks on some of my code to make it work for Forex, but it was like, but from then I never looked back. And, and it, I got, just to let you know, I got kicked off a trade station. So, um, they, so I couldn't run my code anymore over there. How did, how did you get kicked off? Oh, well, I have a reputation. I, I grew up in Washington, D.C southeast and uh you know somebody pushes you you push them back harder you know if they hit you you knock them out so um i got in a lot of uh flaming wars out on the different forums and what i realized looking back was i was playing their game i don't do that anymore i play my game so if somebody tells me you got to prove this or i go no i don't (laughs) you know 
you don't like it, you, know, you can just scroll on by. But, you know, because there's so much of that, you know, stupidity out there on the Internet, people, you know, cyberbullying. I go, scroll on by, <laughs> you know, but these people just take it. And so what happened was they had kicked me off the forum and I had had the most popular thread, the Never Lose Again thread, um, a trend indicator that I had written um, on the, on the, with, on the radar screen. And I, because back then, hardly anybody was using radar screen, but I saw the potential and I figured out how to have, you know, multi um, time frame um, radar screen. And so my thread became the most popular. It lapped, I think it was the big Nick thread or something on there. You know, it had like 50,000 views. And I, you know, I started my thread. I had like, you know, two views. And within a year, I think I had lapped Big Nick like two or three times. Wow. And, what, and the other thing what happened was I was just giving my code away. Well, my code, um, if I want to pat myself on the back, was, was just better than anything else out there because, you know, I had training experience, but I also had coding experience. And it was like some of the garbage that was being passed out. I, I, it was just offensive to me. So I'd write indicators and post them for free, put my contact information in there. It's like, hey, it's, it's shareware. You know, if you want to, you know, make a small donation or send me something, you know, that's cool. But, you know, you're under no obligation. And I, and I posted the source code. And the reason for that is so people can uh, take it to the next level. So if somebody says, hey, man, this, this is really good, but I, got, I can even make it better. I mean, that's how society, civilization progresses. You don't start, you know, with a with a um, square block and, and then, you know, smooth away the edges to make a wheel every, you know, every generation. So um, I, you know, people were just taking shots at me and I was hitting back. So I got kicked off the forum. So I called the station president and he called me back. Now, if you call the, the president of a large corporation and he calls back and leaves his number, I mean, what number do you think he left? You think I'll, I'll, his office number, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, he left his personal cell phone number. <laughs> well, it was on a Friday, and, then the, and I talked to him, and then on Monday they decided to keep me off the forum. So somewhere else I said, hey, you know what? If you, if you want me back on the forum, call the president. Well, his cell phone blew up, and, and <laughs> they pulled the plug on my account. <laughs> so you gave, you gave the president yeah. of trade stations mobile number on the forum but he didn't tell me this was his personal <laughs> oh, number right. you know? and then i got kicked uh, off e-signal because some code i wrote was better uh, than their yeah. that they were charging like 800 dollars a month for or something so and i'm giving my stuff away for free and it's just like nope we can't have that either oh, so geez. okay so, oh, yeah, so yeah. another reason to move to the to the currency markets yeah and then yeah. when i uh, was doing that when I first went to the currency market. I was using a broker at the time called EFX Group, and they had level two, and I was used to level two from trading stocks. And so what happened there on Forex Factory? They were talking about all these, you know, about the spread. I go, there is no fixed spread in Forex. You know, I said, you know, you need a real broker. Well, I got kicked off of Forex Factory because they said I was, um, you know trying to promote this other broker. And I was just trying to, to, to tell people the truth about Forex, you know? 
And so you had all these fixed spread bandits out there, you know, taking people's money. And so then I get kicked off of Forex Factory. And then EFX Group now becomes a sponsor over there, but they wouldn't let me back on the Forex Factory. You can't trust anyone these days, eh? You can't trust anyone. Well, well, here's the thing. I thought the internet, you know, was supposed to be for free, the free information exchange. But I'm telling you, people stake out their turf like crazy. And it's just like I got kicked off of Forex TSD because I was modifying other people's code and putting it back out there. But it was just like, Hey, I was improving it, you know, better for everybody. I wasn't charging, but you know, some people got mad. So they banded together and kicked me there too. Oh, brilliant. So, so uh, I've got a history of getting kicked off of places on the internet. I got kicked off of survival groups for saying a 22 rifles better than a 308. I mean, it's just silliness all across the way. Are, are you on any, are you still on any groups? Uh, just the one, Kreslick.com, because my friend uh, Mihal Kreslick created that group so I'd have a place to post freely and, you know, not worry about um, stupidity. <laughs> oh, okay, so so just finishing off your sort of story here, yeah, you turned a corner with the, the buy zone um, uh, revelation. You obviously have you know, enhanced things over time. Where are you at now? I mean, what is where did that sort of... How did that get get you to where you are now? Well, the buy zone has about a 66% um, win rate. And, you know, it's basically horizontal lines. And the thing is, price either goes up or down. And so with the open, you're either trading away from the open or you're trading towards the open. And so from the um, buy zone... You know, I probably have, I don't know how many thousands of hours of chart. And one day I was looking at the pound dollar on a daily chart. And I noticed that the wicks were really big. And I just kept looking at it and looking at it. And I thought, wait a minute. Um, there's something here. So that's when I started running frequency distribution from uh, close to low and high to close. And I noticed that it was usually greater than 20. So it was like, well, if I can, you know, uh, try and get a reversal off of the um, higher low within 20 pips of the daily higher low, um, I should be able to make money at the end of the day. So that's when the rat zone, that's what I call the rat zone. And so, that got named because I read a, a story about um, the rats in a T-shaped maze beat the Yale students because the rats always turn left and they got cheese 60 percent at a time where the, instead the uh, Yale students tried to figure out this uh, you know this pattern and they only had success fifty two percent at a time because they they had a dice that was weighted so you know the rats just figured it out so they go to the t and they'd always turn left and so that's when i learned to only trade in one direction because see most people think you either buy or you sell but it's like no you either buy sell or you pass you don't have to take the trade you can wait like a cheetah or a leopard you know in the wild you wait for that weak animal so when you you know when you go blast at it 
because those get those animals use up a lot of energy when they you know hit 60 miles 70 miles an hour um they can only do that once or twice before they're done so they make sure that they're going to get that kill same thing with trading it's mostly waiting so the the just going back to your rat analogy i mean i like that i really do it's brilliant and so you're saying that the, the Yale students were like literally sort of trying to take every single opportunity, whereas the rats were just going left every single time. Yeah. In taking... other words, yeah, the, the Yale students were trying to, to guess, you know, is the, is the cheese going to be on the left or cheese going to be on the right? So it's kind of like in trading. If you only trade in one direction, you, you, you might be you might be wrong. But the thing is, you're not going to miss the big run. Like, you know, if prices dropped. And then you think, well, I think it's going up. And then maybe you get stopped out. Okay. Yeah. And then next time, if you go, well, I think it's going to keep going down and it goes up, you got burned. But if you go, okay, let's try it going up again. Now you're in and maybe you catch the big run. Uh, and so, yeah. so I'm with you. Direction, yeah. So if you only trade in one direction on, on a pair, you, you won't, you shouldn't miss the big run. Yeah, I'm with you. I've got you. Okay, cool. Well, look, let's let's. Uh, I mean, it sounds like I, I think there's probably more to your story that we need to dive into here. Uh, but it sounds like you know. Well, okay, well, let's just ask this question: Was there anything after the rat zone that that appeared for you? Yeah. Then we move on to the wick zone, where you know, <laughs> once again, looking at the wicks of the candles, because see, once price gets inside the the uh, wicks, um, I, I once again I do the statistical analysis it leaves the wicks somewhere between 70 and 80% at a time. So if you look at a trade, once it gets, like, especially on the daily wicks, once it gets into that wick area, it's going to leave it. It's either going to break out to the high or it's going to break out to the low, but it's not going to stay in the wick. And so once you see it on the chart, it's just like, well, yeah. So you just sit, you wait for a price to get in the wick zone, and then you take the exit. If not, so we're talking once again, you're basically most of my methods, you're just bracketing price and it's going to leave the bracket because of range price ranges. It's not going to stay in a 10 pip range. It's just not going to not for you might stay in there for an hour or two or maybe three or four, but sooner or later it's coming out. And with all this coding experience, I mean, do you pretty much automated the, the lot of what you're doing or some of it? Well, I, I did when I, w- it, when I was um, in Tucson because I had like two different lines coming into the house. I had five computers. You know, one was for communication only, one was for programming, and three were for trading. And I had, you know, three different brokers. So if I saw price move on one broker and price move on the second one, whichever one was the laggard, I could get in at the best price and take advantage of that. So, um, but I'm out in the country now with a um, cellular internet connection. So I'm not set up for uh, doing automated high-speed trading because there's too many um, connections or, or links in the line that can fail when you're doing automated trading. You know, because if, if you've got any substantial size on the line, you don't want, you know, uh, a hiccup. You don't. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, okay, cool. I think I think we're, uh, we've are we got a lot of information to go on here. I mean, 
one question I've got is what kind of entries are you do, are you mainly taking? I mean, if you had to split it up into to market order, um, stop order, limit order, what are that? What does it look like? Oh, um, it's pretty much just market orders, you know, right at the line. Um, because, you know, on the MT4, they just don't have all of the bells and whistles of other platforms. Okay, just because M- so MT4 is a little bit more uh, tricky to use, you, you'll go with the market order instead. Yeah, just I just use the market order unless I see an opportunity um, you know, like a future opportunity. Yeah. If price drops to this level buy, or if it gets up to this level, you could put your buy limits and sell limits, but sitting in front of the computer, most of the time it's just trading, um, straight with markets. I mean, it'd be nice, but because on the MT4, they make you put the limit order too far away from where you want to go. And, you know, it's, it's just the nature of that beast. So you have to work with the tools that you have. Okay, well, let's dive into what your trading looks like now. So, I mean, how many trades are you placing in a day or a week? Let's start off with that. Oh, I could place anywhere from zero to five to ten trades in a day. Um, It just depends on where price is. And mainly now, I just trade dollar-yen unless there's some other opportunity that's just screaming at me. I, you know, I focus. Um, And one of the things I always tell people is that you really need to focus on and you need to reduce the variables. You have one method. And for me, it's horizontal lines. I mean, it doesn't really matter where they are, but it's just, you know, a horizontal line cross. You have one instrument um, that you decide on. So for me, it's dollar yen, because if I'm looking at dollar yen and then look at pound dollar and I come back to dollar yen and I miss my I'm going to be kicking myself, you know, once that fear of missing out um, that a lot of people, you know, they, 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 they scan. But of course I do have a a dashboard where it will, it will show me where the trades are. So I can look at other things. And then that way, if it's, you know, if I'm looking at pound dollar on the charts and then I see the dollar yen, um, you know, getting within the Know, the threshold alert comes on. It's like, oh, let me go back to dollar yen, and I can, you know, make that trade. Okay, cool. And what about uh, time frame? What time frame are you primarily okay. using? Here's the here's the thing, Cam. <laughs> this is one of the things when I hear some of those other traders talk. If somebody says they're trading a price chart, you know, it, it just drives me nuts. You're not tr- trading charts. You know, that's like trading baseball cards, you know. No, you are trading price, okay? It, and price is the same on all charts. And and it just drives me nuts every time I hear somebody say that. Well, I get down on the five-minute chart and blah, blah, blah. Or I get, it's like, I don't care. You can look at the monthly chart, you know. The daily high is still the daily high. The daily open is still the daily open. It's Whatever time frame is, it's just a matter of data compression because there's only one true chart and that's the one tick chart. Everything else is data compression. So anybody that says that, oh, a one minute or five minute chart, that's noise. Um, really? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, you're looking at the one hour chart. Isn't it made up of all the ticks that, that made up that one minute chart and five minute chart? So if you, if you have nothing, if those are noise, and you have a whole bunch of them, then then how do you get non-noise from a bunch of noise? It's just, you know, logically, it's just idiocy. And it just drives me nuts when people talk like that. Okay, so so um, 
So what what chart do you use in? <laughs> Sorry, I've done, I got. <laughs> well, I mean, what chart do I look at? I look at them all. It just yeah. depends. Yeah, okay. um, I'll look at a daily chart. I'll look at a one hour chart. I mean, um, my rule of thumb is I don't trade against the one hour candle color. If the one hour color is green or bullish, I'm only going long. If the one hour is you know red or bearish, I'm only going short. I just rule of thumb. For anybody listening, do not trade against the one-hour candle color. Period. Cool. All right. And so, is that as it's developing, or, or the one prior to that? No, no, the current one. The current because one. Because you you don't trade history; you only trade what's going on at the time. So, here, if the previous one's red or green, it, what you know, because it could be the same as this one or different. I mean, because there's just certain things. That, you know, if price is going up, it's going up. I mean, if you look at dollar yen today, when I opened the chart, it, it was like at, uh, it was at 0.50. An hour later, it's at like 0.70. You know, it, and, and now it was like it went past the double low, and I think it was at 0.2 the last time I looked. So it's kind of like uh, price is going up. Why would I try and short there? Th- th- that's just crazy. Because, you know, it's just like people that talk about trends where I say, you know, there's no such thing as trend. It only exists in the mind of a trader because you look at got his, you know, 30 minute chart and he's saying, well, the trend is up and the guy at the weekly, oh, no, the trend is down. Right. They're both right. So there is no trend. It doesn't exist. It's a concept. And I try to separate the concept from the reality. It's like people that talk about support and resistance. And yes, I've created support and resistance indicators, but I don't use them anymore. I don't talk about them. It's like, this is a high, this is a low, you know, the daily high from yesterday. I don't care what chart you put it on, but if you put a horizontal line, that line is not going to move. And that's the thing, you know, all this other stuff, the lines move, especially the squigglies, the moving averages, the oscillators, all that garbage. You know, you change the chart period, you change the result. Well, that's too many variables. You should should simplify it. Trading, you know, price up, down, price up, down. You don't need anything else because if it's going up on the one minute, it's going up on the monthly and everything in between. It's like, oh, price is going up on the monthly, but it's it's going down on, on the one minute. No, price moves the same no matter what chart have on the screen <laughs> so i'm laughing because it to me it's just lunacy cool all right and so you mentioned 66 percent win rate on your your buy zone you've now got the wick zone and the the rat zone i mean what what win rates are you looking at on on average here um on the um on the wick zone like i said it'll the price will leave it's not really it's not necessarily win rate it's how many what's the rate that price is going to leave it, leave that zone? So if, if price gets in the wick zone, there's a 70% um, statistically that it's going to leave that. You know, now some days it doesn't. Like if there's a, a doji and each, you know, each wick is like 30 or 40 pips, chances are price closes within the wick. But most of the time it doesn't. So like I said, it's over 70% of the time. And then the weekly gap fill, that's in the 90s. I mean, every Sunday here, Monday, where you are, when you open that platform, 
there's usually gaps between Friday close and Monday open. Those gaps fill something, you know, 80, 90% of the time. It's like, it's almost like free money. The only problem is some brokers might have a spread that's, that's not tradable, but then you look and you see what the spreads are and you see if there's an opportunity to fill that gap. And the gaps that don't fill Monday usually fill by the end of the week. And so like today is Wednesday. I think the gaps had filled uh, by end of the day, Monday. Now, last week there was like two or three that didn't fill, but I mean, that's just the way it is. And so does that mean you're, you're looking at more than just uh, UJ when you're, you're trading these instruments, the gap fills obviously. Oh yeah. You see what, where the opportunities are. Like if something gapped down 50 or a hundred pips, I start salivating. It's just like, yep, yeah, this is going to be a, a nice win. And do you, for those gap fills, I mean, <clears throat> do you, sorry, do you use the wick uh, zone and the rat zone and the buy zone to, to try and work out when to enter to get back into the, to take that 100 pip or 200 pip gap? Nope, no, no. You just, you, you basically, you fade the gap. Okay. Yeah, and it's just like the other one is you fade the pivot. So like, you know, on my indicator, it shows the, the pivot point from using yesterday's, but it shows what's called the future pivot. So when the market closes and opens, you know, about two o'clock my time, depending on um, how far the pivot is away from the close, it's like, you know what, chances are that pivots, you know, price is going to hit that pivot and I'll fade that. I mean, that's another slam dunk. You know, sometimes it might only be five pips. Sometimes it's 10 or more. But usually, you know, if you set your risk properly, you set the trade and most of the time it hits the pivot. And then some. And but like today, it didn't hit the pivot. But the pivot was so close to the open, it was a trade on the, on the dollar yen. Okay, cool. And so what about uh, risk-to-reward ratios? Um, I don't look at it because, you see, there's only a few things you can control in trading. You can't control whether or not you're getting an opportunity to take profit. And that's all I look for with my statistics. Does it give me an opportunity to take profit? Is it 70% of the time, 80, 90, 60? What is it? Does that warrant me, you know, wanting to take that trade? And so I set the, the risk is based on how much I'm willing to lose on any particular trade. So let's just say I'm willing to lose a hundred bucks on a trade. I'll make my position size according to where I think I should put the stop. So if the stop is further away, the position size is smaller. If it's closer, the position size is bigger, but the risk is always the same. And in terms of like the exiting the trade, you're, how are you doing that? Oh, the exit. Um, I have something I call my exit playbook. And you watch American football? No, I don't. I know how, okay, how well, it works, but yeah. Yeah, but usually if you see on American football, the coaches on the side, they have this big laminated sheet, and sometimes it's got highlight and blue and green and yellow and pink. That's their playbook. And so the thing when you're trading and you're sitting down in front of the screen, that's not the time to think. It's the time to execute or react. So if you're in a, in a trade and it's going your way, and you're up five pips, what do you do? 
Well, if your exit playbook says you move your um, stop to break even plus one, that's what you do. And you say, okay, is the price moving fast? Like say you jump in a trade and within a minute you're up 20 pips. Well, does your exit playbook say, hey, bank some of the profit, uh, move your stop up or take all the profit because chances are anything that moves that fast is coming the other way, especially if you weren't you weren't prepared for it. So it's like the market's giving you a bonus, take it. Mm. But what happens is, is FOMO will kick in and you go oh, up 20 pips. Maybe it'll go 50. Now I'm up 15. Now I'm up 10 now. And, and you're just starting to give it back. So it's like, that's why you have an exit playbook, you know, slow market, fast market, normal market, you know, and, and you just, and you write it all out and then you, as you get in the trade, you go over that playbook. You know what you're doing. So there's no set reward side. What does your typical trading day look like? Uh, I knew you were going to ask that. Um, what I do is I've got a couple of um, videos that I watch. One's called Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. And it's about a three or four minute. And that puts me in the right mind frame. There's a scene in there. Um, where a leaf is just flowing down a river. And I always say, be the leaf if you just go with the market flow. And then I listened to a video about Evan Longoria. He's a baseball player. And it's all about a mental approach because um, like he was like one of, he came out of nowhere and he's like, you know, a top star, baseball star. And so I even have it written down on a three by five card. It's like stick with the approach. I mean, hey, you've already got your plan. You're, it, it's executed. You're not thinking it. You're not modifying it. You're not tweaking it while you're in the game. That You do that in practice. It's like keep the routine going. So whatever your routine is, you just keep it going. And it's like get into the game. You know, focus. Look at that chart. Don't be don't, trying to do other things like, you know, mess around on Twitter or whatever while you're trading, you know. And you don't worry about the results. You put the trade on. You have your stop loss, either you win or you lose because you can't do anything. Once you put the trade on, the reason you put the trade on goes out the window. It's either going to go your way or it's going to go against you. There's nothing you can do to prevent that. And so that's where people get caught up and tripped up in the whole trading. They think they can do something. You can't. There's nothing you can do except put your stop loss on and or take profit when the opportunity presents itself, you know. And then the other one, it's like be where you need to be when you need to be there. So once again, I focus on one pair. I'm there so I don't miss the move when it happens because, you know, if I if I drift away and then the move happens, I wasn't where I was supposed to be, you know. And the other thing is, is you got to get rid of those negative thoughts, Meaning all the doubt, anything, it's like, no, you've already done your work, your research. You have to go with, you know, your routine. And finally, it's like, do what you need to do when you need to do it. Hey, it's at the trigger line. You click the mouse. You don't think about it. You do it. Basically, I say you should be like a trained monkey. You know, monkey sees price at line. Monkey puts lever. Monkey maybe gets banana, maybe not. Monkey see, monkey do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that's it. But, you know, the whole thing where, where people get tripped up 
or, or fooled in, in trading, they, some guy comes out with some indicator promising you 500 pips and they, you know, their eyes light up and they, you know, hand over, you know, hard earned money for something that's, you know, they just got marketed to it. You know, that thing doesn't work. Come on, give me a break. You know? So what do you recommend a retail trader who's working a day job? Uh, what do you recommend they, they take as sort of steps? Well, they're going to have to carve out, you know, in the Forex market, you know, it's pretty much 24 hours a day, five days a week. They've got to carve out an hour or two where they can be in front of the computer and trade. And anything more than that? Is it just carving out that, And you know, I suppose easier said than done, trade. What should they be focusing on? How should they go about sort of, I suppose, mastering what they're, you know, becoming well, profitable, not of- falling into the traps? Well, okay, you know, you, you take a method. So, for example, if um, if you can't if you're if you can't be in front of the computer, say near um, a market open time, whether it's the Asian market or the U.S. market or the London market, then chances are you can't you you can't trade away from the open because price moves. So you've got to pick a, a method that's going to trade back from the open or you can basically um, what I would call place your bets. What I mean by that is you look at the previous day high and low and you put your orders at the high and low and whichever one triggers, hopefully you have one cancels the other and then the stop is put in and then you put a, a, a take profit target. So you might think, okay, you know, I look at the high versus previous high according to the frequency distribution I should be able to make at least five pips. So you set your um, target at five pips and maybe four out of five days you hit it. Maybe uh, three out of five days you hit it. Maybe one day it doesn't trigger. I mean, that's how you can trade while you work. But you can't sit there if you can't sit in front of the screen. You have to have something that gets you in, you know, at a predetermined level. What do you think made you different from everyone else out there who's, who hasn't made it as a trader yet? Um, my background, I mean, um, between taking every logic course in college um, and my degrees in computer science, and I also took statistics, you know, I looked at it from a um, statistical because most people are either fundamental or they're technical, you know, they get caught up in, in Bollinger bands, which I did, you know, I have to admit it, full disclosure, I believed in that nonsense for a while. Um, and all that, all those other things, but no, it's just, you know, price, it, when you look at it logically, price moves up and down, it moves away from the open, it's going to move a certain distance each day. So once again, if it moves 12 and you put a six inch box around the open, open plus three, open minus three, price is going to trigger at either plus three, minus three or both on average. I mean, because you've got statistics on your side. When you look at what's the minimum range of a, of a uh, pair, it's like 20, 30 pips, some are, or have a higher minimum. So depending on what your method is, you pick the method that works best for the pair or you pick the pair that works best with the method. So it's kind of like, Cam, 
if you had a screw, a bolt, and a nail in front of you, you know, and you had a hammer, which one would you pick up? You pick up the nail, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, see, the problem with, with most traders is, is they've got a hammer in their hand and everything becomes a nail. It's like, you know, give a baby a hammer and everything becomes a nail. Well, no, because some pairs move differently than other pairs. So you have to, if you pick a method, you've got to find the pair that works with the method. So like in the stocks, I had what I called my herd of the cows. These stocks had to move at least 80 cents or more high minus open or open minus low to be in my herd. Because I didn't, if I'm going to trade from plus 10 to to plus 20 on the buy side and minus 10 and minus 20, I want a lot of room. So I, so I can easily pick up a dime or more when I enter that trade. So the same thing's true in Forex, you know, on the daily buy zone, I think I've got it set somewhere between eight and 10. And then on the uh, weekly buy zone, I have it set between five and 10 because I know if price say moves 50 pips away from that open on a weekly and it comes back down, if it's going to go from a positive week to a negative week, there's going to be a lot of pips to be made. So I want to pick those pips up either starting at the open or starting in, you know, at the open minus five. Nice. And it's all statistics. It's all statistics. It's got, you know, and what most people confuse, they talk about probability. See probabilities for the future. And in probability, that doesn't change except in cards when every time you flip a card, then the probabilities change. But it's something that can be calculated. But, you know, like in roulette, the probability stays the same. But in trading, there's no probability. None. Zero. All you have is historical data, the statistics, saying that, you know, this pair over the last 100 days, you know, had this range, you know, from from you know, 20 to 30, it did that 40 times from 30 to 40. It did that, you know, X time. And, and you just, you know, we'll probably, I'll show it to you on the chart and then you can see what I'm talking about. But when you, when you look at those statistics like that, it's like, Oh yeah, this is kind of a no brainer here. Yeah. We'll jump on a price chart after this and, uh, and we'll chuck it up on the YouTube channel. So uh, last question before we get into the quick fire round, like, Talking about a price chart, I mean, we've talked about charts most of the show. If you're going to recommend that somebody who's out there listening, you know, picks up three things off a chart, what three things would you get them to spend some time looking at? The open, the high, and the low. Done. If if that's what you're asking. That's what I'm asking, yeah. So uh, I'm guessing you weren't going to say Bollinger Band, so uh, it it was going to be something along those lines. Yeah, today's open, yesterday's high, and yesterday's low. Because either price is going to penetrate one one of yesterday's lines or it's not. It's going to move away from the open, and it's either going to penetrate the line above it or the line below it or both or neither. And those are the options. And when it, when it penetrates those lines, I mean, because I, I think I'm pretty sure I built a robot around this you know, probably even a year ago, and when it penetrates those lines, I mean, how do you how do you craft a, an entry at at one of these one of these particular lines? Um, you enter at that value. So let's just say um, 
you know, yesterday's pound dollar was at like at 1.3. And that was the high. I don't know what it was. I, I haven't looked. But let's just say yesterday's high is at 1.3. And let's say that today's opens at 1.2975. So you could either, A, trade the buy zone at, say, 0.2985, jump in, or you could wait to see if it cracks the uh, 1.30 from yesterday's high. It just depends on what you want to do. Okay. Okay. Cool. Right. Well, let's dive into the quickfire round, and okay, then we'll jump on a, a little video, and the guys can go and check that out afterwards. So, how long did it take you to go from newbie to profitable? Well, uh, starting with the day trading, I would say probably like about four or five years because I spent a wasted or spent a lot of time learning that squiggly lines like Bollinger Bands and RSI, you know, Arun, all the rest of them are. Or, you know, pipe dreams. Thinking about a trader's mindset, do you have any special techniques you can share with us? Trader's mindset? Um, basically, um, don't listen to, you know, all those slick ads because it's just a bunch of hogwash. I mean, you if you don't have common sense, you shouldn't be trading. I mean, there's some things just make sense. Some things, you know... If you got to put price in one end, it's going to run through some complicated formula and give you a number and you don't even understand it, let alone even know how to spell it like stochastics, just walk away from it. I mean, just walk away. Okay. Um, What's your favorite entry setup? A horizontal line cross. What strategies do you use to exit or manage active trades? Uh, As I mentioned earlier um what i call an exit playbook um just saying if price does x i'm going to do this if price goes from my entry to plus five what do i do plus six what do i do you you basically you map it out every step of the way maybe you do it every five pips maybe every 10 but you have to decide ahead of time how to manage that trade what's your recommended trading book or resource Okay, I've got, well, the answer is trading books, okay? You need psychologic or psychology books, books so you learn how the mind works. So, for example, um, Side, um, Animals in Translation, Fooled by Randomness, Thinking in Bets, and the book titled New, N-E-W, because that'll stop you from doing all that FOMO stuff. Because um, biologically, some people are, are the DNA that they're attracted by the new. What was the first book? I didn't, didn't quite get the first word. The first book is How We Decide. Okay, How We Decide. Cool, right. Yeah. Um, if there was one thing you recommended a retail trader spend the next month mastering, what would it be, why, and how could they go about mastering it? Um. Go into a room with your trading platform and have no distraction. You need to learn how to focus and mind your own business. And what I mean by that is, you know, your trading portfolio, that's your quote unquote business. Don't worry about what somebody else is doing, how much they're making, what they're trading, what they're using, blah, blah, blah. No, you pick your method, you focus on it, you learn. It's kind of like if you like Bruce Lee, um, you know, you, you focus on that one thing. He says, you know, he fears the man, not that 
knows a thousand kicks. He fears the man that's practiced one kick, you know, a thousand times or ten thousand times, however it yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah, that's a good quote. Uh, right. So, if uh, what's your preferred broker and trading platform? Um, none of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just have none of them. I mean, they all, you know, they all have their pros and cons, and you know, their cons will usually drive you nuts. So, I don't really have a preferred broker. You know, I use MT4 because that's, you know, um, like I said, I got kicked off a, a trade station. So that's where I wound up because I was I was already in the Forex. What's the worst trade you've ever had? Now, when you say worst, um, there's a couple ways to define it. But the first one that comes to mind was I made the mistake of listening to somebody else. This guy had a chat room, trading chat room, and we were at stocks. And he called out this stock. I can't remember the name of it, but I bought a thousand shares because that's what I used to sling. And next thing I know, it's like, how come the price isn't moving? It had something called a stock halt. I never knew what a stock halt was until then. <laughs> and when it unhalted, I was down five grand. Price was tumbling, and by the time I got out, I think I lost eight grand on that trade. That was one of the uh, worst trades. Now, um, you know, there's all, but there's kind of trades like um, I remember one time I I was in Florida. Actually, this was a time I was going to see the trade station people. I went to their um, what do you call it? The um, investors, the thing they do. Um, or the conference or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, shareholders meeting. Yeah. I went to that cause I think I own one share so I could get in just to give to my mind and they didn't like me. Um, but what happened was, you know, sometimes when you open up your trading platform and it, the software renews itself, you know, updates. Yeah. Well, the software updated and I didn't pay attention and I had, I was trading, I can't remember if it was dollar yen or what, but I was like, you know, 200 mini lots and I hit buy and then I hit sell. I was just going to make, you know, two pips, you know, put a couple hundred bucks in my pocket. Well, I didn't check and the default was market order rather than limit order. So when I hit sell, they slipped me. And so instead of making 200 bucks, I lost like 40 or 60 and I was fuming. You know, that was one of those things. Always check your parameters before you click the mouse. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Um, Right. If you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, Probably the same thing I, I, you know, I, uh, about mastering it you've got to put on the blinders and just not let any nonsense get in um you know trading is so simple it's basically you know you wait for an entry you enter you wait for an exit you exit that's all you can do so so long as you've got your stop loss in place you won't lose any more on that trade, then you're willing to lose, barring unforeseen circumstances like you know the lights go out and you and all and you didn't have the stop loss hardwired in. You were just going to click on it. Um, you know, it's those types of things. Just do not get distracted. You know, any email that they're trying to sell you something, just send it to the trash bin. 
I mean, really, because most of that stuff is garbage. It just really is, you know, and I know that's why so many people don't like me. But it's funny how many, you know, people say, man, you know, I heard you. It took me three years, but I finally got it. You know, I went through all these different, you know, seminars and programs and blah, blah, blah. Um, but it wasn't until I found you and you just kept beating the same thing into my head day after day after day, you know, cause on my videos, you know, it's right there. You got to have that stop loss in place. And it's funny because if you go back to some, when I first did the buy zone, people will always ask me, about this. I go, what do you mean? Stop. You don't need to stop. They go, but they didn't understand. If price goes up into the buy zone, you buy it. If it drops down into the sell zone, What's price telling you? Like, well, that buy trade obviously didn't work, so you have to exit it, and then maybe you want to take the sell trade. So, it was like to me, it was, there was no need for it because it was built in. But you know, now with the wick zone and the rat zone, yeah, now now I understand where where they were coming from at the time. But like I said, I started with the buy zone, and it was just, huh? It was just too obvious to me. Cool. Well, look, we're going to, instead of me asking you to describe a strategy here on the show, let's let's jump on the video and record it. So guys, if you want to check that out, head over to the YouTube channel or the show notes and you'll, you'll get to see the video that we're going to shoot just in a sec. Now, before we wrap up here, what's the best way for the guys to get hold of you? Um, well, I've got my YouTube channel, The Rumpled One. Uh, I've got uh, Facebook group. I think it's never lose again, but if you, you know, the rumpled one at gmail.com, um, you can either, you know, email me directly or you can find me on uh, either YouTube or, or Facebook that way. I do have a Twitter account, but I just send out the links and I've got a blogger, the rumpled one.com. And it's just all video links. Cool. And last question before we, <laughs> I just wrap the show up. What, why do you, why do you called yourself the, the rumpled one? Oh, that's because uh, that a uh, friend of mine, um, uh, Danny, uh, he's passed away now, but um, he used to iron everything, including his T-shirt. <laughs> I never ironed my T-shirts. He, and it's just like, he goes, you're all rumpled. <laughs> so I became the rumpled one. Brilliant. I, could, I would never have picked that in a million years. All right, guys. Look, a, a big thank you to uh, the rumpled one, Avery for uh, sharing with us today everything we've discussed here along the links and the video are going to be in the show notes to find them simply search for avery or rumpled in the search box on tradingnut.com until next time i wish all my listeners trading happiness and success righty ho guys there you go great interview there with avery thank you very much avery now as mentioned there is a video we shot after the show it is a fairly substantial video it goes on for a little while uh, not really not one of the shorter ones this one sort of goes on i think for maybe 10 15 minutes guys check that out over there on tradingnut.com or on the youtube channel and do be sure to subscribe uh to keep an update on what's going on here head over to the instagram uh channel as well and i post sort of behind the scene footage and stuff so if you want to keep a track of what's coming up perhaps and what i'm doing behind the scenes then head over there to the instagram and, and hit follow and uh, and you'll find out what's going on there uh behind the scenes here at trading nut now uh last but not least yeah look so we've got the the robot traders club and this robot that was doing so well not doing so well at the moment but um we will get this back underway and on track uh asap so if you want to 
go and check that out. Join the club then. Head over there, tradingnut.com. You'll find links in there, or you can learn how to build your own robot in 21 days. So, guys, all right, until next time, have a great trading week, and I'll see you in the markets.